It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Farm Talk. I'm Barry O'Mahony. The National Dairy Conference takes place over the coming week, but it's gone online due to COVID restrictions. Changes to veterinary legislation come into effect in January. We ask what this means for farmers. We continue our discussion around the Climate Action Plan and the whole area of emissions reductions and how they'll affect farmers. We have Mockra News, the latest on ploughing activities in Cork East and Cork West. And John O'Connor has more on the stories making the agri-news this week. Farm Talk on C103. The CAP strategic plan is not delivering for suckler beef and sheep farmers, it's been claimed. ICSA President Mr Dermot Kelleher has told the Minister of Agriculture, Mr McConnell Lug, that the CAP strategic plan proposals are not doing enough for the circular beef and sheep sectors. He spoke to the Minister at the CAP discussions in Backweston. Mr Kelleher contended it was patently obvious the Department of Agriculture's CAP strategic plan was flawed. It was, he alleged, totally imbalanced and it simply delivers nothing meaningful for active cattle and sheep farmers. Mr Kelleher said Minister McConnell together with senior Department of Agriculture officials, met with the ICSA and other farm organisations at the Backwestern campus in Kildare recently to discuss CAP and the most recent carbon budget announcements. Mr Kelleher pointed out that the ICSA had been arguing for greater CAP payments for those sectors most reliant on CAP supports and those achieving the most on climate action. He pointed out There are over 100,000 low-income farmers in this country and they need to be supported with a fairer cap plan. He recalled that the ICSA has proposed a €300 circular cow payment, a €35 yo payment, a €100 head beef finisher payment and a worthwhile agri-environmental scheme. Mr Keller said at the Backwestern meeting The ICSA had argued very strongly for a higher maximum payment. Payments had been whittled away, he contended, from reps through to gloss, and this trend had to stop. Mr Keller pointed out there was a very real risk that the current department proposals ran the risk of considerable underspend in the rural development programme for the first two years. Given all that's being asked of farmers on climate and biodiversity, this is very wrong. Farmers must be paid more for the climate action measures they undertake, not less. Mr Keller emphasised the ICSA CAP proposals provided the best framework upon which to build the next CAP for Irish farming families. Crucially, he said, unlike the department's current proposals, the ICSA proposals would benefit all sectors. 
The Minister, Mr McConnell must now explain how he proposes to move forward and demonstrate he is listening to the majority of farmers in Ireland who want better support for the low-income cattle and sheep sectors. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. Joining us on Farm Talk again is Liz Duffy, Dairy B&T Advisor in Middleton. Unfortunately, due to circumstances, we were unable to continue that topic on the Climate Action Plan on Wednesday night. But today we discuss the whole area of emissions reductions and how they'll affect farmers. Liz explains how Tagusk is dealing with client farmers on the discussion around the whole area of emissions reductions. I suppose Tagusk were the National Food and Agricultural Development Authority. And on our research side, they were tasked with investigating and researching you know, what needs to be done on Irish farms to reach our greenhouse gas reduction targets. These measures were then laid out in the MAC curve that I kind of highlighted that was published in 2019 and now these key actions have translated into the government's climate action plan that was just published there in the early part of the month. So I'll go through what we feel are the six key areas for farms to focus on in the short term and there are things that some are already doing particularly if they are in derogation. Look they are absolutely critical to be taken up across as many farms as possible and they need to be done I suppose look sooner rather than later but because we can't keep putting things on the long finger anymore. Look the first one is that we will be asked to reduce chemical nitrogen fertiliser by 25% by 2030 and again this is relative to what was used in 2018. The more medium term target is to reduce it by 16% by 2025 and we anticipate that when the new nitrate action plan is finalised in the coming months that farm allowances will be cut by 10% for next year. So in response to this we're having discussions around stocking rates, you know what's sustainable and manageable for your farm and key to this would be first and foremost can you make all your own fodder within your farm gate? What level of grass is your farm growing and what's it capable of, of growing? Central to that then would be soil fertility on your farm which of course is nothing new and we know that if we get soil pH right with liming get the P and the K level right and if we're undertaking a programme of receding then the farm can be capable of growing look from 10, 12 or even 14 tonnes of grass dry matter over the course of the year. So the technologies we're using here for example would be you know, soil sampling nutrient management planning and the grass measuring through pasture base just to get a good handle on how a farm performance is actually going on. We also understand there's going to be a national fertiliser register put in place over the course of 2022 going into 2023 which will mean that um, the department will be able to track what individual herd numbers are buying to ensure that they're keeping within their limits and ultimately be able to show that the required reduction targets are being met. Tied in with this second measure is the second measure that I'll cover and it's the use of clover. Again, not new science, being talked about for a long number of years. The benefits of clover have been widely researched and they're being seen on farms for a long number of years but it's something we really need to get to grips with again um, quite quickly. From a production point of view, it has been shown that clover swords can deliver the same level of dry matter production um, with up to 100 kilos of nitrogen less per hectare um, while also delivering 25 to 30 kilos more milk solids per cow over the course of the year. So just a few points I think that are important to bear in mind when getting clover working on your farm are again back to soil fertility. This is critical for either a full reseed with clover or if you're over And if we're going to be able to make the nitrogen savings that we see from the Chagas research in Moorpark, Solaheads and Clonakilty farms, then we need a minimum of 20% clover plants within these swards. This will only be possible if we reseed with a mix that's going to deliver in around a kilo and a half or up to two kilos of clover seed per acre. The pH must be heading for 6.5 and the P and the K must be at least index three. Otherwise, you know, it, it's, it's not going to be a success. Incorporating clover in farms is going to be a work in progress as part of a reseeding program over a number of years. And as I've kind of highlighted about derogation farms, they are required to use clover when reseeding. 
However, the off-the-shelf mixes in terms of clover can sometimes be a little bit on the low side. So I definitely would be recommending the higher clover levels when you are doing your full reseed. As I mentioned, oversowing um, as a method to get clover in quickly without doing a full reseed. Again, just a point on that, it's just, it can be a tricky one to manage. Firstly, you certainly wouldn't be taking on you know, maybe more than 10% of your, your grazing block in one go because it's critical that these oversown paddocks are, you know, you keep an eye on them and you have to jump back in and graze them when the cover is less than 1,000 or maybe in around every four. 14 to 15 days in order to stop the grass out competing the clover, shading it out and stopping getting it well established. Look, there's always a question of bloat comes up. I'm not going to go into it today, but look, there are strategies there to overcome this. So I think I don't think it's an excuse really anymore not to not to be incorporating clover. Um, and just while we're on the fertilizer, really for a minute, the third main measure in the climate action plan is the use of protected urea. Again, this is one that farmers have been trying out. And when we look at it, look, it's a really easy one to, I suppose, in terms of a, a gain or an achievement. It's a low-hanging fruit or an easy win, whatever you want to call it, um, in terms of getting towards our greenhouse gas reduction targets, particularly when you know nationally we, re- we review fertilizer trends at the end of every year. So what we are seeing is that the use of protected urea has kind of stabilized or it's fallen slightly in 2021 um, to still only around 10% of the total fertilizer use in the country. In the Climate Action Plan, the target is to move this figure to up to over 50% of the fertilizer use. And I think, you know, a, a figure that is well quoted that people <clears throat> have probably heard is that if we could change half the can, the t- you know, the calcium ammonia nitrate, if we could change half that can um, to protected urea, it would be equivalent to the, emission of, uh, the emissions of 100,000 dairy cows. So look, that would be a massive saving for us nationally. So for the coming year and with the, the outlook of the cost of fertiliser, we're encouraging more of the use of protected urea. And when it comes to comparing prices, we must look at the cost of the kilo of nitrogen you're buying rather than just the overall cost per tonne, as the protected urea will generally be more cost effective on a per kilo basis. And then moving on to the fourth measure, and again, this ties in very well with cutting back on nitrogen fertiliser use, again, because the price is, is looking very strong for next year and because our limits are going to be reduced, it's the value of the slurry that we will be gathering over the winter and it's really going to take on a whole new value as a fertiliser resource. So spreading slurry with the low emission equipment be it training shoe or dribble bar is really working well on derogation farms that are obliged to use it now at this stage. And the figure quoted in the Climate Action Plan is that 90% of slurry will eventually be spread with the low emission equipment. So I think looking in the early part of 2022, which should be possible to to replace the equivalent of a half a bag of the protected urea or, you know, in around 23 units of fertiliser nitrogen per acre on at least two thirds of the land next spring if we can spread with the low emission equipment with the slurry. And then later on in the grazing season, I have seen clients who can, you know, really cut back on on the nitrogen use, uh, maybe 15 units per acre in a round or even no bag fertiliser. Um, out there in the main season when they can get when they can spread watery slurry or dairy washings on on the grazing paddocks. So as I said, the technology that the less it does incur a cost um, to the farmer whether they're getting the contractor to do it or they are buying the equipment themselves. But we are seeing savings being made, so there's no reason why more people can't be availing of this. So I, I should reiterate again, I suppose that the nitrogen fertilizer savings will only be seen when all the other components of soil fertility are correct. Thanks indeed, Liz. Liz Duffy, Dairy B&T advisor in Middleton. Well, Enda Maloney of Tagus Cantork will be with us later, but for now he has details of an upcoming event. An event that Chagas Cork East are running in Corn Martin for my it's a winter sheep seminar and that's on the 7th of December at 7.30pm speakers on the night will be local Chagas advisor uh, John Conroy Eamon Walsh from Sheep Ireland and a member of the IFA and the topics on the night will be um, Ireland's sheep genetics CAP 2023 and the new EU veterinary medicine regulations and the Chagas advisor will speak 
on tackling increased meal and fertiliser costs and sheep farms for 2022. It's been acknowledged that the Gloss Contracts extension will provide farmers with a degree of certainty. IFA Rural Development Chair Mr Michael Biggins said the announcement by the department that farmers participating in Gloss 1, 2 and 3 would be offered an option to extend their contract into 2022 will provide certainty for applicants. The existing contracts, he pointed out, were due to expire next month and the extension is part of the EU CAP transitional rules. It's been confirmed the process will be similar to that undertaken last year. A farmer can extend their glass contract either by replying to a text message they receive from the department or alternatively online at agfood.ie or lowercase. Michael Biggin said the process for farmers must be kept simple. All farmers who respond must get confirmation of receipt of application. Any farmer gloss participant who has not replied by either method before the closing date of December 10th must be contacted again by the department prior to the closing date to ensure that all participants of gloss have ample opportunity to extend their gloss contracts for next year, 2022. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. Farm Talk on C103. Sunday's Farm Family Rally to be modified. The IFA President, Mr Tim Collins, said the IFA will revise its plans for the Farm Family Rally on Sunday due to the increasing concerns around COVID. Mr Collins went on to say that based on discussions with IFA members and following a meeting of National Council, he believed a modified event involving tractors and machinery would allow the organisation send their message and that would be the safest course of action given the current COVID situation. Mr Connell said it was a big decision for the IFA, but it's the right thing to do in the light of the increase in COVID numbers and the attendant pressure on our health system. The reality is, he said, the IFA has been forced to have this protest because the government has allegedly refused to engage with the IFA on what Mr Connell called a proper plan for the sector at farm level. He called again on the government to negotiate with elected farm leaders and have meaningful engagement to agree a plan for the sector at farm level, including around CAP. The government, he said, has to come up with more funding for Pillar 2 schemes to support vulnerable sectors. Mr Cullinan said farmers could play their part on climate change, but they needed a plan with proper funding that would guarantee economic, social and environmental sustainability. And following a meeting of the farm organisations with Minister McConnell Logan back Weston, the IFA leader said the minister apparently had no proposals to address what he called the enormous income losses experienced by a cohort of our most productive farmers under the minister's cap proposals. The minister needs to come forward with additional funding to support the farmers who are being savaged by the combined effect of eco-schemes, convergence and crisp on their incomes. Mr Cullinan said the Minister had decided to cut every farmer's basic payment by 25% to fund eco-schemes when it could be less than 20% due to the level of Ireland's environmental spend as part of Pillar 2. The IFA leader said these eco-schemes are new and they are a leap into the unknown. It would be far better to reduce the level of funding set aside for them and leave as much money as possible in the basic payment. All of these concerns would be highlighted at the modified Farm Family Rally on Sunday, the IFA leader promised. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. 
Next week's National Dairy Conference, due to take place in Cork and Athlone on Tuesday and Wednesday, respectively, has been changed to a virtual event only. It's one of a number of events, either cancelled or gone virtual because of concerns over the increased COVID cases. The core conference was to take place at Rochestown Park Hotel next Tuesday from 10am. However, the Agriculture and Food Development Authority says the decision has been taken because of the updated government guidelines on COVID. The head of Dairy Knowledge Transfer in Tiagos, Dr Joe Patton, joins me to discuss the conference. We had originally planned um, to, to return our, our, our Tiagos National Dairy Conference to an in-person event and we had all, we had all our we had everything ready to go for, for the road to town for next Tuesday and obviously at loan as well for Wednesday. But just given the government gui- guidelines and the, the, the announcements over the last couple of days, we really had no choice but to move it to a, to a virtual event. So we're, we're back where we started really with virtual events for next week. So um, the programme speakers and the content of the programme, Barry, will be the same as we had planned. It's just that we're, we're now moving online rather than moving then having us in person, which is unfortunate. But look, in the grand scheme of things, it's not... Um, it's not the end of the world from our point of view. We're still looking forward to a good technical conference. How will the conference be rolled out then, Joe? We're, we're rolling out online. Uh, as I say, it had originally been planned for Tuesday. That's still going to be the date. So from 10 a.m. to, to 11.30 next Tuesday morning. And again, next Wednesday morning, so that's the 23rd and the 24th, we will be broadcasting uh, sessions from, from our park. So there'll be, there'll be a link on the Chagas website, so www.chagas.ie. The event section there, there'll be a, you can click through basically on the website. It'll be fairly clear what to do there. And you can pick up a link and just, just re- register and, and log in at that point and you'll pick up the session. So as, as I say, we're going to we're going to broadcast the sessions from, from Moor Park next Tuesday morning, next Wednesday morning. The content hasn't changed, so you do have some very eminent people there to speak. The topics that will be covered. The, the highlights really, the keynote address really is from our, our new director, Professor Frank O'Mara. So Frank is, to, is going to look at the... Uh, I suppose it's a, it's a, it's been in the news hugely over the last couple of months, and will continue. I suppose in that vein, is around the environmental obligations on on agriculture. So, what the director will tackle there is really to, to lay out a roadmap for um, for the dairy industry and dairy farmers as to the scale of the challenge, I suppose, and then also the scale of and the potential mitigation strategies that can be used. So that's going to be that's going to be very important to put a, to, to put a framework really for for a lot of the technologies that we need to implement over the next couple of years. But I suppose also it is important that something I'd be very strong about. I think that while we have to look at the headline and the policy stuff, there's also a need for 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 good technical messages for 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 dairy farmers as well. You know. Cows still have to be fed and milked and bread and grass still has to be managed. So there'll be strong messages around those those technical issues as well across the two days. And will there be the capability for interaction with people logging in for the conference? Now, as there would be with delegates would be attending in person, Joe. Oh, certainly. Yeah, look, there will be a chat box function or a function on the on the system. It's it's based it's broadcast through Zoom. Essentially, most people would be well familiar with that. At this stage, so really, people can can type in their questions or send, submit their questions on the day on, in the in the live sessions to to um to get in contact with ourselves, and we'd look forward to that part of it actually because I think you know it's one of the real benefits of of, of an interactive conference is, is the capacity for a two way conversation rather than just a, a series of lectures. So certainly for anyone anyone that that logs in and that has questions to to, to that they want to get asked and answered we'd be encouraging them to do so. But the function will be there to do that. And we have 
we have people online ready to to sort of field those questions and get them to the speakers as well. The beauty of it being that in the aftermath, you'll have the catch-up opportunity because all this will be available online. That's right, yeah. So look, we'll have the, as I said, there'll be the Tuesday morning session and that because they're live. And that's your opportunity, I suppose, if you want to log in at that point to maybe interact with questions. So on Tuesday morning, as I say, we have the director and then we have a session on, on breeding and that's hosted by Emma Louise Coffey on the Who'd Be familiar maybe to a lot of your listeners through the Dairy Edge podcast. They're looking at the issues around breeding and sex semen, the use of beef straws in the dairy the dairy sector. That kind of stuff is being covered on the Tuesday. And then on the Wednesday, we're really uh, drilling in really the whole question on nitrogen, nitrogen fertilizer, of course. The the cost of nitrogen is rising and rising, rising fast. Um, that's a big issue. And obviously, clover management and better use of, of, of on-farm nutrients as well. So that will be the, that's kind of the practical session then on, on Wednesday. And there'll be other bits and pieces in terms of video content as well released over the couple of days too. But those will be your main two sessions. So I suppose you could say, Barry, if you want to interact with the sessions, it's really from 10 a.m. On the, at the, in the morning. That's when it's live. And then they'll certainly be able to pick up the sessions. They'll be recorded and posted uh, on the website later on as well. Head of Dairy Knowledge Transfer in Tiagas, Dr. Joe Patton, ahead of next week's National Dairy Conference, which has been moved to a virtual event only. Some figures from the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Annual Review and Outlook. Over €14 billion worth of agri-food and marine exports. Sector accounts for 9% of total exports. 163,600 employed in the agri-food sector. 7.1% of total employment provided by the agri-food sector. Exports to 180 markets worldwide. Beef eighth largest exporter of boneless beef and veal in the world. Dairy, accounting for 36%, or over 5 billion of agri-food exports. Sheep, average sheep price in 2020 was up 13% on 2019. Pigs, exports of pig meat have doubled since 2011. Poultry, a record of 111.7 million birds were processed in 2020. On tillage, there were 13,600 hectares of protein crops planted in 2020. The Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine say the annual review and outlook for 2021 shows that in the face of a global pandemic, the agri-food sector showed tremendous resilience with exports and employment in the sector, supporting a balanced regional economy. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even on a budget? Quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. 
The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Commenting on the annual review and outlook, Minister McCon Logue said, the annual review and outlook for agriculture, food and the marine covers a period when the sector faced the twin challenges of Brexit and the economic impact of the COVID-19 pandemic. Minister McCulloch said, Our farmers, fishers and food producers, as well as processors and exporters, face into this once-in-a-lifetime situation with remarkable resilience. He said the families of Ireland continue to have food on their tables and we grew our €14 billion export sector with world-class produce, going to some 180 markets. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. Farm Talk on C103. Enda Maloney, Dry Stock Advisor, Tagus Cantork is back with us again. We're discussing how to achieve good animal performance over the winter months and the importance of getting silage analysed to see the quality of it. The vast majority of farmers, um, our stock are in the shed for uh, quite a number of months, range from four to six months, depending on where you are in the country. So I think... Monitoring performance over the winter period is essential in order to see what weight our animals are putting on during this period. Especially younger stocks, such as young wainlands, if their nutritional needs aren't met and there are no health issues, these animals should be achieving 0.6 of a kilo live weight gain over that period. But from being out on farms and talking with farmers, uh, this is not being achieved on a lot of farms. And that's primarily down to farmers not meeting the nutritional needs of the animal. I suppose grass silage provides the forage base with the majority of winter diets in Irish farms, so knowing the quality of this is very important. Would you recommend getting the silage tested? Yeah, absolutely. I think all farmers should be trying to get their silage tested. I suppose you can't improve what you don't measure. That's kind of something I always come back to when I'm speaking with farmers. If you analyse the silage, you know exactly where you're at in terms of how I can build up a fodder budget around this. So I think with the price of feed at the minute and the price and the cost of diesel and all these things going up, I think if we have our silage quality right and we can do up a winter feed for our animals by knowing our, our test results, that that would be the best thing to do. So I, I, I would highly recommend getting the tested, yes. And for farmers who do get the silage tested then, what are the most important things to look at on that silage report? Once you do get your silage tested, you will get a report back from the lab with a range of things. Uh, on it but the main ones to focus on really are the dry matter digestibility this so this is a measure of the energy an animal gets from the silage so basically what is digested by the animal and generally a good dmd silage would be anything above 70 percent dmd i suppose dry matter then is a main focus point too because this is basically the amount of silage remaining after the water has been removed so we want to be looking at somewhere in in around between 22 and 30 percent for a good uh, grass silage I suppose crude protein then is is very important too because we want to be growing these uh, animals over the winter period. We want to make sure that we have a good crude protein level in the silage. So anything between 13 to 15% would indicate that the grass was cut when the crop was at a leafy stage before it turned to stem. And I suppose lower protein silages will need to be supplemented with a higher protein ration, which in turn will mean that the price of that meal is going to be more expensive. I suppose that energy value which is measured in megajoules per kilo of dry matter, anything above 11.5 uh, 
mega joules um, would indicate that that's a good energy energy value in that silage. They're really the main points of it, uh, Barry. And what would you say would be the ideal silage? Well, the ideal grass silage would be anything with a dry matter of between 25 and 30%, DMD 70% plus, and a crude protein above 12%, especially for younger stock. You need to have protein in that uh, fairly good or else you're going to have to feed extra supplementary feed with along with it. Henda Maloney, Dry Stock Advisor, Tagus Cantork. And we'll continue our discussion on the topic on Wednesday night's programme. Well, Alltech Ireland are launching their Dry Cow programme at this time. Head of InTouch Nutrition, Cahal Bohan, is with me to discuss Dry Cow advice and management tips during the drying off period. Look, it's an important part of the year for farmers. Um, spring calving, um, everything seems to happen in blocks. Um, so from that point of view, you know, with the advantages of nutrition and breeding over the years, Everything is very, very condensed in that spring period. Um, so cows will be going dry over the next probably month or two. Um, and it's important to kind of get it right. Uh, you know, it's a bit like the pre-season training. You know, you probably have to prepare and have key steps um, in place before the, the, the dry period. So look, we've launched our probably evolved dry cow program, I suppose, from Alltech. Uh, that focuses on very, I suppose, four key areas in a very, very simple way. And that's body condition score, nutrition, minerals, and the management of that cow, and, and looking at the, each of those areas in particular. Are these steps then rolled out in that sequence, Cahill? Yeah, look, again, there's no, I suppose, particular order. Um, they're all um, important. And I, again, if we look after three and we don't look after one, sometimes it can all come tumbling down. So it's a bit like four, four legs of a chair, really, so to speak. Um, and really focusing on those areas of what we actually do um, is, is probably equally important, I suppose, really. So when it comes to, first of all, body condition score, really it's the car, cornerstone of all production systems that we do, probably um, whether we're autumn calving or spring calving or whatever. You know, getting that body condition score right and maintaining it, it's, it's a cost to the business in order to improve it. Um, so from that point of view, we want our cows calving down, you know, fit, not fat. You know, that body condition score 3 to 3.25 is the first kind of key. So maintaining that body condition score during the dry period. When it comes to nutrition, I suppose, look, the majority of the diet that will be going to our dry cows is going to be grass silage. So getting a test of that and, and understanding what the energy, the protein, the fiber is in there is the first step. The next step is probably to look at the, the mineral content of that silage as well. Um, because we know that if we don't balance the minerals for these cows, you know, they're going to calve down with an imbalance. Um, and again, you know, we're, we're preparing for that very short kind of calving period, I suppose, really. Um, and I suppose, f- finally, it's, it's probably the management of, the, of that and how this cow flows around the system. So, look, if we think of management, we probably think of, you know, the stress on that cow around the system. Um, so, like, looking at each, you know, if, you, if, you, if your listeners can look at each of their systems and the flow of that cow around the system from the dry period to the milking period and see where the bottlenecks are in that system. So, for argument's sake, is there a feed space per cow? Is there a cubicle space per cow? All of those are very, very important. The end aim of all of this, of course, is the successful transition from the dry period into lactation. That's critical. So what important areas need to be addressed there to achieve this successfully? Yeah, look, that, that's the critical area. Look, our ideal type scenario is that we have a cow arising at the point of calving, you know, fit, not fat, um, you know, and she's calving down easily with a healthy calf and she physically hits the ground running, so to speak, 
and production levels are good um, as a result. So again, that's you know if we can get over that big hurdle, so to speak. You know, I know it all probably happens within a, a few hours or a few minutes, but it's a big hurdle for a cow in order to prepare for that transition period. So really, that transition period that we're talking about is that you know that couple of weeks before calving and that couple of weeks after calving, and if we can get that whole process right, then look, we, we've set the cow on on a good road, I suppose, really for production later. And the Evolve Dry Cow programme is there to help us. So how does that work? It's a programme that we've been running with the last few years. And again, we launch it at this time every year. Um, and I suppose really, as again, it, it focuses around those kind of four key pillars. So any of your listeners or a lot of our customers will be ringing us um, and they're, they're free to ring us at any stage, as I said, or contact us if they want to assess maybe what their dry cow program is at the moment. You know, maybe, you know, maybe they've had issues in the past with, with milk fevers or retained cleanings, et cetera, and stuff like that. And they maybe want to, uh, to talk to somebody with regard to what they're probably doing in their system or how they can actually tweak their system. Um, so we have a lot of customers probably ringing us at the moment, kind of saying, you know, I, I, I need to prepare for the dry cow period. I need to prepare for calving what are the steps that I do? And so we have a process or a checklist that we tend to go through in order to guide people in the, the right directions and maybe pick out maybe the bottlenecks within that system and maybe um, put some corrections in place then as a result. What are the point of contact details, Carl? So again, we can call, you can call our In Touch Nutrition Centre, which basically is, is run by a team of uh, ruminant nutritionists. Um, that's the, the, the In Touch Nutrition Service, is the, the, the nutrition service that uh, runs for both Alltech and uh, Keenan, that a lot of your listeners are familiar with the, the mixer wagons. Um, so, again, you have a free nutrition assessment if people want to ring in, and that's the In Touch Nutrition team on 0599 Or else you could email us on contactintouch at alltech.com. Under new safety, health and welfare at work regulations, starting November 30th, 2021, drivers of quad bikes will be legally bound to be fully trained. A number of registered training providers advertise on the internet with a variety of courses on offer. There are one-day courses available for suitable applicants. Inquiries reveal that a one-day course by a registered provider would cost about €250. Proficiency in the following skills would be amongst the legal requirements for quad owners to be considered safe to drive an ATV. Familiarisation with the relevant all-terrain legislation covering pre-use inspection of the vehicle, after-start checks, starting and moving off, safe parking, steering, body positions when driving, obstacles, descending and ascending and traversing hills and load capacities, plus PPE, personal protection equipment. Training courses are available in all of the 32 counties by some registered course providers. Quad bike short race V course prerequisites would include six months operational experience, one passport size photo, PPS number, PPA personal protection equipment. It's hoped that the new mandatory training requirements will save lives and prevent the horrific injuries caused by quad bikes overturning and other mishaps. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. Farm Talk on C103.
On January 28, 2022, changes to veterinary legislation come into effect regarding the purchase and administration of animal remedies in line with EU regulations. So what does this mean for farmers and specifically for the Dairy Gold Mastitis Control Programme? I'm joined by John O'Connor to discuss this more. Our sponsor, Dairy Gold, since way back in January 2008, has actually had a mastitis control programme, MCP, in order to be compliant with the EU Communities Animal Remedies No. 2 Regulation to be Technical, that's S1 number 788-2007. The new E-Regulation from 28th of January 2022, impending legislation changes, will be very strict around the prescribing of antibiotics, with a prescription lasting only five days for antibiotics. However, the guidelines around dosing products as such are likely to be a bit more lenient, with the prescription likely to last longer. Since the new looming e-regulation S1 number 788-2007 was announced, there's been bitter opposition on practical and other grounds for many farmers and their representative organisations. The result of all this opposition has meant some further clarification of the e-regulation was required. Dairy Gold is working with others within the industry and the Veterinary Council of Ireland to ensure a smooth transition to the new regime effective 28th of January 2022. And John, could you sum up exactly what the situation will be from January next for farmers wanting to buy mastitis control remedies? A new national veterinary prescription system, WNVPS, is planned to be operational early next year, meaning that only your vet will be able to generate the prescription online and thus is claimed, making it easier for herd owners to access the prescription and use it. And what motivated the European Union to bring in this new regulation? Well, in line with modern growing concerns over the rise of AMR, antimicrobial resistance and antibiotic resistance in animals and humans, the EU formed the January 2022 regulation to better control the quantity of any animal remedy or medicine, not just mastitis control remedies. Selective dry cow therapy is also part of this drive to tighten up administration of animal remedies and retain an accurate record of the quantity and circumstances in which the remedy was administered to the animal. So the generation of this prescription online by your veterinary surgeon will provide an accurate record measuring the use of veterinary medicinal products on your farm, particularly antibiotics. That's correct. From the 28th of January... 2022, a prescription will be required for antibiotics, anthelmintics and vaccines. As a farmer, of course, you can draw down against the prescription with dairy gold agribusiness or indeed wherever you choose. And from what you said at the beginning of our conversation, quite apart from the forthcoming EU regulation, since 1st of January 2008, Dairy Gold have operated a mastitis control programme in order to be compliant with the EU communities. That's correct, Barry. Since January 2008, a veterinary practitioner nominated by Dairy Gold was allowed to issue prescriptions to the co-op's milk suppliers and also permitted a suitably qualified Dairy Gold staff member to dispense and sell intramammary products, dry cow and mastitis tubes to a customer on receipt of a current veterinary prescription who had signed an MCP Mastitis Control Programme form. Animal Remedies No. 2, Regulation S1 No. 788-2007. 
I understand the operation of the new EU regulation coming into effect next January is now set out in a comprehensive article in this November's issue of the Dairy Gold Suppliers magazine, Milk Matters. That's correct. Also online, listeners requiring clarification on any aspect of the new e-regulation should liaise closely with their cooperative or Chagask advisor and that date 28th of January 2022. Thanks for that John. Next our roundup of MACRA activities and here's Maureen Tuhig. Hi Barry it's Maureen here. I'm Shandoon PRO and Balancholic PRO. It's been a few weeks to remember for Cork MACRA clubs. Some of them have travelled to Dublin to take part in national competitions. Members were kept busy between question time and bowling. Congratulations to Fomoy MACRA who are national bowling champions. Balancholic placed third in the competition. There were three clubs from Cork involved in the bowling for Moy, Balancholic and Dunamore. Kinsale Makra finished fourth in the question time final. Mount Melick Makra were crowned champions in that one. There were a number of clubs from Cork involved. Bantier for Moy, Inishannon, Dunamore, Balancholic and Kinsale. Capers practice, it's in full swing now. Members are having great fun putting their performances together, learning new routines and unearthing old party pieces. The Cork County Round takes place on Friday, December 10th. It's a really busy time for clubs as they prepare for the stage. As Christmas approaches, the festive fun is about to kick off. Clanmire Macra are set to host a Christmas quiz on December 8th in the hut in Watergrass Hill. And it's back. Cargline Macra has announced the return of the New Year's Eve ball. That's going to take place in the Rochestone Park Hotel on December 31st. And it will feature a tasty dinner and music by the Alley Cats, followed by a DJ. Tickets for that one, they're on sale now. You can check us out on social media to see what we're up to. We'd love to hear from you. And new members are all always welcome. Thank you. Thanks, Moraid. Next, we turn our attention to ploughing activities and in Cork East, Philip Cotter can bring us up to date first with all the results from Gertrude last week. In the single solar vintage, first Trevor Fleming. In the hydraulic vintage, first Thomas Bozang. Second, Pat Dyle. And third, Phelan Cotter. The vintage trailer, first Pat Hanley. Senior Open, first Barry O'Sullivan. Second, Morris Walsh. And third, Dave Mulcahy. The two for a reversible. First, Perry Harrington. And second, Conor Butler. Uh, contractors class. First, Shane Bozang. Second, Martin Bozang. And third, Kevin McGrath. And the three for a standard. First, James Pendergast. Second, Jim Barris. And third, Jimmy Powell. The three for a beginners. First, Cahal Dineen. And second, Dave McAuliffe. In the under-21, first, Jeff Witcherly, Farmer Reyes. We had two competitors there. First, Katie Hayes. And second, Orla Hayes. No relation. And in the classic class, we had one competitor, Damien Ahern. The East Carcoyle Trophy went to Katie Hayes. And uh, the Gleason Trophy went to Shane Bozang. And the Dick Barry Memorial Trophy went to Trevor Fleming. Tomorrow, we move on to Watergrass Hill, Ballinaltic is where the dress of the farm, near the graveyard in Ballinalty. And I must emphasize that we're starting at 11 a.m. sharp. Anybody interested in town, would they please contact Jim Barrett before 5 p.m.? Jim's number is 085-777-3257. I'll give you that again. Jim Barrett, 085-777-3257 for entries before 5pm and the venue will be signposted 
of the old Wasserglass Silver at Cormac Road, the R639. Thanks for that, Philip. Now, Caroline Jennings has all the information for us from Cork West. Due to a bereavement in the locality, Carnacilty Ploughing Association have decided to postpone their annual ploughing match, which was due to take place tomorrow, Sunday, until further notice. On behalf of the West Cork Ploughing Association, we would like to extend our sincere condolences to the O'Donovan family. Cahamore Ploughing Association will hold their annual ploughing match Sunday, the 28th of November, on the lands of Jeffrey Witcherley, Burgatia, Ross Carberry. Entries to be in by 12 noon, Saturday, the 27th of November, to Richard White on 086-3397-009. The ploughing match will start at the earlier time of 10.30am sharp, weather permitting. Kilmurray People and Places, an amazing journal packed with rare photographs and copies of historical documents, has been published by the Kilmurray Historical and Archaeological Association. The important role, historically, of all types of agriculture in the Kilmurray economy is portrayed in many of the 30 articles spread over the 132 pages of Kilmurray People and Places. Kilmurray People and Places Journal will be launched by Miss Louise Daly of the Kilmurray Historical and Archaeological Association at the Independence Museum Kilmurray, 8pm on Friday, 26th of November, 2021. Light refreshments will be provided and copies of the journal will be available from 6pm. Reading Kilmurray People and Places It's inspiring to recall how the people of Kilmurray were so enterprising and tenacious, not just in the fields of agriculture, but also in sports, the arts, and all aspects of human endeavour, in the harshest of times, be it the famine, the war of independence, or the periodic upheavals in farming. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. And thanks to John for co-producing and contributing to the Farm Talk programme this week. I'm Barry O'Mahony. Thank you for listening. 